Wealth Tactic Rebels, ingenious financial and life tactics for people who see things differently. In every episode of this podcast, we explore exciting, dynamic, and inspiring ideas from experienced rebels to jumpstart your journey to success. Welcome rebels. Let's get ready to start seeing things differently. Welcome to another discussion with Wealth Tactic Rebels, the podcast for people who see things differently. I'm your host, Kevin Dumont. I've been thinking differently in the wealth field for nearly 15 years. Today, I'm joined by our host, Jen McFarland. Jen, how are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I appreciate you being here today and sharing your your time and your knowledge with our Wealth Tactic Rebels. So Jen is an entrepreneur and business consultant, and she has a particular expertise in business and kind of like the Wealth Tactic Rebel philosophy where we believe that you have a lot more to be had by first avoiding losses before you go chasing a rate of return. I think it's the same thing in business. Someone like Jen, who's had a lot of experience, has seen a lot of mistakes that people commonly make when they're trying to run their business. And uh, if you can first learn those ahead of time, but through someone like Jen, and look out to avoid those, you know, you have a lot better shot at having a more successful business. So today's discussion is avoid these five common business mistakes. So we're going to discuss those it has to do with mindset, willingness to uh, poke holes in what you think is a success, assessing risk and time. And we'll also talk a little bit about uh, different ways that, that you can accomplish things. Before we get into that though, well, Authentic Rebels, if you would do us a favor after this episode on whatever your preferred listening platform is, please just go there, give us a rate and review, and uh, you can drop us a line. You can do it there. You can do it on a Wealth Tactic Rebels Facebook page. Let us know what you found inspiring about today's episode, what you think may have helped you or some you know. Jen, let's, let's get into a little bit, but before we get too far, would you mind sharing a little bit with our listeners about a little bit about where you came from and what inspired you to do what you do today? Sure. Thank you, Kevin. And thanks again for having me on. Absolutely. So my name is my name is Jen McFarland. Um, I have 25 years of teaching, training and executive experience in leadership projects and marketing. And the way that I got really into all of this was after college, I got really interested in the Peace Corps. One of my best friends mm. went to Bolivia. This was back when we were pen pals because they didn't have right. internet in Bolivia. <laughs> right. And I just became really fascinated with it. Now, the whole time that I was her pen pal, I was also working um, as a graphic designer. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want to do this. And I got married and my husband and I ultimately went to Kazakhstan and lived overseas for two years. And mm -hmm. it just kind of took away like all of the creature comforts. And right. I realized how much I love projects. And it also kind of changed my own mindset. So I came back, I had, you know, I went back and got a master's degree in leadership and management. I led a bunch of really large scale projects. And then I realized that my true love is really boots on the ground, helping people. And that a lot right. of what I had learned, even getting my master's degree really wasn't as applicable as they like to make it sound. Um, <laughs> this is a common experience for a lot of people. You go to school, you get your degree, and then you get out in the world and you're like, huh, it's not quite what I remember yeah. studying. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and even as I was going through getting my master's degree, you know, I was a mid-career Peace Corps right, volunteer. Right. I was a mid-career grad student. So I was kind of like, this doesn't sound right. But, you know, I hadn't been in some right. of the higher levels of organizations. So I thought, well, maybe it's different, you know, and no, it's not. Right. <laughs> it's, right. it's not, not, not right. different. 
so it really all of these experiences including working on really large-scale projects that like i said higher levels of organizations it really uncovers that a lot of the mistakes that we're making in business it doesn't matter how big you are or how small mm -hmm. you are a lot of things happen over and over and over again and right. a lot of the work that i do now is about helping people you know just think about things a lot differently excellent what we're all about thinking about things differently <laughs> so Perfect for today's conversation. So as I, I mentioned in the beginning, we're going to talk about avoiding the five common business mistakes that you've experienced in, in your career. This has to do with examining where you are today versus where you want to be in the future. Jen, would you mind talking a little bit more about why is, why is this a mistake? Why do our listeners care about this and how's it going to help them? Sure. I mean, I think as as leaders, we all need to really consider where our mind is and and how that is really changing maybe the way that we are seeing the things around us. Mm. One of the things that I talk about with my clients and then on my own podcast a lot is, mm. you know, we have to look for the good and then we begin to see it everywhere. So if right. you're always saying that everything is going wrong, guess what? That's what you're going to see. That's the reality right. that you have created for yourself and you're almost right. looking for the bad instead of the good. So wow. these are the types of like mindset things that can really affect how, how well you do in your business or how well you lead your team or different things like that. So one of mm -hmm. the key dimensions is if you look at how things are today and you're not satisfied you know, you want, you know, something big to change, you do have to look at where things are today and then compare that to where you want to be and then look at where the gaps are, you know, and part of that right, is right. in how you are thinking about, you know, the future, how you are thinking about where you're at today. Maybe you're not reflecting enough on um, what's going right or you're not really looking at the things that are, are really holding you back and so it's important to take a look at all of that and then again really reflect not just on what's wrong but also on on what's right and that will help you realize where you truly are on your path absolutely that vision is important to be able to see where you're going if you don't have a bit of an open mind you're not okay with thinking about it differently stepping outside of your comfort zone your vision of that future could get skewed and you could be trying to force something that is not really where it should or could be going. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's that. I think it's also like when you are envisioning where you want to be, mm -hmm. you have to recognize what your own strengths are as well as your weaknesses and then right. surround yourself with people who can fill the gaps on the things that you don't like to do or you're not as good at doing so that in that sense, you're actually not poking holes in things. You're actually filling the cracks and surrounding yourself right, right. with people who maybe have a different mindset or a different openness or a different outlook. And then what you're actually doing is reinforcing your business so that it is more resilient and able to mm -hmm. weather things like economic mm -hmm. downturns and other risks. Mm, makes sense. It's almost like a, in a personal relationship where you have people that kind of balance each other relationships yeah. work well when if you're if you're dating someone who's exactly like you for instance uh <laughs> it may be a bit of a conflict there but when you yeah but when you have someone who is a little bit different and they balance you you work well together and in the same sense in a business relationship whether it's with your employees or partners or your business itself that balance is important because it helps helps bring out as you say fill, fill in the cracks yeah, yeah, that's part of the openness of 
um, especially small business owners, where although I've seen it in leaders of big organizations as, as well, is right, if you're right. unwilling to realize that you're not good at everything, <laughs> which is oh. hard because, you know, we're all leaders. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, especially you know. big ones, because, I, you know, sometimes big, big leaders of big companies and such tend to have big egos and egos tend to can, can get into the way of thinking like that. Exactly. But some of the most successful um, business people that we've ever had, you know, someone right. like Henry Ford. Right. He's he's always said that the reason he was successful is because he surrounded himself with people who were smarter than him. And yeah, that's one of the things that's really key is you have to realize your weaknesses and then find yeah, people yeah. who can help you. Right. Because you don't right. if you're the smartest person in the room, you got to find another room. Right. Right. <laughs> you got to find other people. That's a good idea. Actually, uh, a guy that I, I know, his name is Don Blanton. He's really big with this whole philosophy of what we talk about. <laughs> he, he jokes around too a lot. He says, I never really had a brilliant idea. I just took someone else's. He's a lot like that. That's how he believes, just like yourself. So mindset to examine. Now, we're, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, a willingness to poke holes in what you're assuming is success. What do we mean by that? You know, when we talked about this beforehand, I have no idea what I meant when I said that, <laughs> but, but here's, here's my take on that today. So I'm just going to admit that because I have this like shifting and evolving philosophy around success. I think a lot of times we equate success with money and only with money when success can mean a lot of different things. And I think that we right, make these assumptions right. about what it means to be successful. And sometimes we have to look at the different dimensions of success and we will get more money if we take care of some of these other dimensions along the way. Right. right so right, if, right. if you are, for example, getting feedback from your customers on a regular basis and you're hearing the same thing over and over again, and you mm. may not like it, that's something that you can adjust that will lend itself to your success. Right. Mm, and you'll mm. find that you're making more money as a result of handling the feedback better instead of just assuming that the customers are happy. Right. <laughs> it's better to get feedback along the right, way. Right, right. Um, and in fact, in the marketing world, there's a tremendous gap between how businesses think that they're performing when they're trying to attract new customers and how the customers actually receive the information. So mm. there are a lot of times when we assume <laughs> that we're being right. successful at things. And so one of the things, instead of just focusing on revenue and bottom line, as a business owner, there are a lot of different dimensions that contribute to your success. And so you can't just look at one, you have to look at many. Mm, mm, mm. And then, like I said, poke holes in it. So what that means is ask a lot of questions, get a real sense of the landscape of what's going on, and you will find problems along the way that as you resolve them, you will find that if money is the main driver for success, entrepreneurial success, you will find that you're making more money because you are taking care of your customers better. Mm -hmm. Your processes are no longer mm -hmm. all over the place. You know, you have solid mm -hmm. processes, for example, maybe you have a gold standard for what customers can expect mm -hmm. that wasn't there before. And now mm -hmm. all of those things are happening. So then the mm -hmm. revenue is being addressed in other ways. Excellent. You, you know, when you talk about it like this, it makes me think a little bit about something I've kind of seen I've, through studying what's going on with other companies is that I, I think that, you know, if you've got a business that looks good in people's eyes or is, is relating to their, to their customers out there, people out there, and they've got to build a good brand for themselves that people know and trust and makes it desirable. 
And then sometimes you'll get someone that comes in that's kind of bottom line focused, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. They're, they're really looking at, hey, look, here's our revenue. What can we do to increase that? But they're looking at it through, say, a spreadsheet eyes. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? And say, oh, well, this doesn't really make us money and this does. So we're going to cut back on that. That's not really making us money. But maybe that was the thing that was helping you get in front of people and help you build that brand that they know and they trust and they want. So you're looking at it as, oh, success is more revenue and we can get revenue by increasing sales and by making cutbacks. And they're not looking at it as success is getting people to love your company. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, so when I look at problems with businesses, I'm always looking at them holistically. People want to just take the shortcut and that's oftentimes the spreadsheet solution. But there are a lot of different dimensions, like you just said, to what it means to be successful. And, you know, uh, there are also a lot of people who think that a brand is a logo and a website. Right, right. <laughs> and there's a lot more to a brand than that. In Absolutely. fact, you can either you can run a business without a website, you can run a business with a crummy website. How you treat your customers always matters more. Sure, sure. Because some of sure. the best people say that word of mouth and online reviews they mean the same. Meaning, if they hear from a friend that right, your business right. is awesome, it carries the same weight as if they're reading about it on like Google My Business or Facebook. So what that tells me is treat your customers well and mm. everything else will mm. follow, you know? Right. And part right. of that is there's, there's like so many dimensions to how we treat our customers wow. well that right. really at the end of it, when it comes to revenue, that's, that's really not the number one place to start. You, you mentioned uh, Ford, right? Henry mm-hmm. Ford. So my observation here, and by the way, I'll, I'll admit right now, I'm a car person. I love cars. So like, <laughs> I love tinkering my car. I like going racetracks, everything. But so Henry Ford had that motto of race on Sunday, sell on Monday. Granted, he was a car guy. But the point of it was that he knew that racing wasn't something that was going to bring him a bottom line. He was just spending a lot of money on it. And that doesn't actually make him any money. But it was getting him in front of people. Yeah. And it was showing the brand, the kind of brand that he was and the vehicles and people would see that spirit and want some of that spirit, want to own some of that spirit of that company. That's right. Right. And that helped build a great brand. And in growing up, there was a car company in Japan that I liked growing up because they were, they seemed to have that same kind of racing spirit. Um, and that caught my attention growing up and, you know, playing the video games growing up, the Gran Turismo, uh, the company is Mitsubishi. Some of you may not have even heard of it at this point. <laughs> I have. You have. Well, you know, yeah. I've actually said Mitsubishi before and some people are like, uh, would they make uh, what, air conditioners or something? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they do make other things too. There's a larger sure. company that makes a lot of other appliances and things. But the, but the car company, they used to be big into racing like that. And because of that, everyone knew that brand. They had one car that was kind of like their halo car that was out there in racing. And it made them desire, made them fairly successful. And then they started cutting back on those types of cars because as a company, they decided that the, the sporty cars weren't making them enough money. Like the bottom line was too small. They were putting a lot of money into developing them and promoting them and not making much profit off of them. So they kept cutting it back and cutting it back. And as a company, they kept going down. They almost completely went out of business. I, I know they're still in business right now with a few cars but they're not very well known yeah. anymore. They completely stopped. They cut their entire racing budget. They stopped all the sporty cars that they were used for that, that people liked for that. So they lost their image and people stopped buying them. 
Yeah, well, so I drive a Mustang, so there the, there's that. <laughs> there um, so I do like fast cars, um, <laughs> you know, but like even just, you know, Mitsubishi, but even going back to the Ford example, that movie Ford versus Ferrari, oh, yeah. you know, a lot of that was about not only looking fast and like having people at the mm -hmm. track, it was also helping them develop better cars. Sure, sure. You know, there's so there was a too. lot more to it, right? Like, there's so, more. so here's this thing that you think is race on Sunday, so everybody sees you, you know, it's right. visibility, right, right. you know, sell on Monday, but that race on Sunday had more benefits to it Absolutely. than just people looking at it at the track. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then even in Ford versus Ferrari, I mean, there's still the, some of the things they talk about in that movie are still like pillars of what we know to be important in cars today. Right. And in fact, the Shelby is, you know, my aspirational car. <laughs> I would love to have one of those at I some point. I just like can't, can't <laughs> yep. justify it, you know. <laughs> but the point is that, you know, yes, we do things for awareness, but there might be more benefits to it than we yep. can imagine. And it's short-sighted. Like what Mitsubishi did was actually very short-sighted. Yeah. And that's why their profits fell is because it was doing more for them clearly than just the image <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. The image fell too. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot more to it. And that's, that's why you have to poke holes in, you know, what you're assuming is success or is successful for your yeah. business. Yeah, I agree. Because I've, I've seen again, the car thing, I've seen other car companies make cars that actually lost the money on the spreadsheet, but they knew that it would bring them forward as a company. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Isn't that what Tesla is? <laughs> that's true, that's true. <clears throat> but you know and if, as long as tesla survives that's that's the future right there anyway we know that yeah which is the next part i think assessing the risk of the project because tesla took on a big risk there's nothing out there they're starting something totally new with this whole electric car thing so let, let's talk about the next common mistake is assessing risks it's important because mm -hmm. i think you have to be fully aware of the truth of how risky a particular project is and are you going to be okay if it doesn't work a lot of people entrepreneurs i've got this great idea they convince themselves and they believe that it's going to succeed but you have to have the reality of that correct yeah so it, this is kind of the kiss and cousin to the one we just had you have you have to be yep. poking holes in what you assume is success and you can't just assume that everything is going to be successful. So this is right, before right. you even get it off the ground, you have to be able to assess the risk of the project. That means you have to be prepared for if it doesn't work, which right. the way that we do that a lot in the work that I do with my clients is we're looking at what is it that you're assuming or what is it that has to happen in order for this to be successful. And sometimes people don't even consider that, you know, right, for example, right. you and I are sitting here, we're having a podcast interview. We're assuming that we're going to have internet and a clear connection and, you know, True. that I'll have a nice microphone and I'll sound good. I mean, there are a <laughs> lot of things that we're assuming, you know, that might be safe because, right. you know, we're in the United States. I have my own podcast, this and that. But think of it in terms of, you know, when we start scaling up to thousands or millions of dollars, you don't want to do anything twice <laughs> sure yeah because <laughs> you yeah. might not be able to afford to make a really big mistake so one right. of the things that you can do from your biggest goal down to a lot of the tasks that you need to do one of the ways that you can stop the roadblocks from even happening or be prepared for things that might cost you a lot of money or might take longer is is by really looking at the risks that you're taking at every step of the way. And mm. sometimes you can plan ahead and be like, this really just isn't a good idea. 
But in going through this exercise, what if we did it this way? <laughs> this is the path of least resistance and lowest risk, and we'll still get there in the end. You know, Or sometimes right. you might be like, this really isn't worth it. Why don't we put this one on the back burner for right now? Let's do this other thing instead. So the assessment of risk and of really looking at things like the true cost or one of the things that you and I have talked about before is like the opportunity cost of things. You know, when you start looking at things like that, then you are better prepared for if it's really a good idea or not. And that can save you lots of time and an unbelievable amount of money. And for some people, mm. it can literally save your business from a disaster. I agree. I agree. That's a great way to look at it. And, and I'm glad you brought up opportunity costs because it's important in both directions. And most people I talk to just, it, they don't think about it because it's not talked about enough by enough people out there. And that's one of the points of this podcast. In the course of someone's looking at their personal finances, people tend to focus on the rate of return that they're getting. And they forget about opportunity costs. So an opportunity cost for, for our listeners, if you haven't heard before, is if you have a dollar and you lose that dollar, you not only lose that dollar, but everything there, that dollar could have earned for you. That's the real cost of it. That's, and that's a much bigger number. And that's an opportunity cost can apply to more than just dollars too. When you can avoid that, when you avoid an opportunity cost loss, your returns are bigger, whether it's talking about returns as far as business growth or profits or, or whatnot. So it's important to understand that. Look at what you can lose. And there's two ways you can lose with, with opportunity. One is the project that you failed on, perhaps. We're talking about projects and assessing the risk. You, you took on a project, it was risky, it failed. So you lost out from that project, you lost money. The other one is the project that you didn't take that mm-hmm. would have earned you money. Right. Yeah, that's that's usually the bigger thing. A lot of times people don't think about things like time, but they also don't think about capacity. So what that means is how much can you really take on and Mm -hmm. is it worth it? You know, is it in, in, in projects? That's that's really one of the biggest things and one of the biggest risks that businesses don't think about is how much manpower, how many resources do I have and and Mm -hmm. do I have enough to take this on? Because Mm -hmm. maybe there's something else that's even more important that you're not going to get to if you take this one on. Right, right. That's that's part of the holistic look sure. at a business instead of just saying, I need to do this one thing and like gnawing on that one thing like a bone. <laughs> you could be missing everything right, else. Right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Maybe it's one gigantic project. And hey, if it works out, it's going to make your, your business and your career, but it's really risky. And if you miss, you're gone. And then meanwhile, yeah. you ignore, like you say, another one or two projects that are more likely to bring you some some good profit business growth. Yeah. You yeah. Lost out well, you got to leave the lights on too. Like, I mean, <laughs> not everything is sexy. Not everything that we do is sexy. So you, right, you sometimes right. have to ease back on some things so that you can, like I said, keep the lights on, right. manage your resources and then, and then work towards it. Right. Right. Other times it's the right time to take on that kind of risk and, and do it. But the important thing is that you're looking at all of these different factors, including Right, opportunity right. costs, which I agree with you 100%. Most people don't either don't know what it is or don't ever think about it. Right. We just need to talk about it more. That's all. <laughs> and I think something that goes along with this too, when you're doing this assessment, we've touched on time because you may not have enough time to, to take on everything, which no one does. You have to sure. take on what you can with the time that you have and be the most efficient you can with it. You've seen this as a mistake that sometimes people make. They think that something is going to take X amount of time, but it really takes X times two amount of time or something like that, right? 
Yeah, all of these happen at every size of organization, but especially the time. I've seen this over and over and over again throughout my mm -hmm. career. So right, right, right. the number one thing about time is it almost it invariably takes longer than you think. Right. But some of the things that really multiply that out are how many people do you need to have involved? And mm. have you talked to those people? <laughs> and are you on right. their calendar? And then sure. are they giving you the time based on a best case scenario or is it a realistic time frame? So right. what you need to get to the bottom as a business leader is answering all of those questions. And that's part, honestly, of the risk is, well, if it can't be done in Q1, <laughs> you know, or if it's gonna right. take a year, is it really worth my time? And, and that sounds really expensive. Do I really wanna do that? Now, within time, there can be some negotiations, but a lot of times you have to realize that in terms of time, money, and value, it's something I talk about over and over and over again with clients. Yes, you can throw more money at something <laughs> and put all of your resources to it, but the value of the project at the end might not be as good as if you took your time and spread it out over a longer time frame, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Because when people are in a compressed time frame, it doesn't matter sometimes how much money you're paying them, they're more apt to make mistakes. And then right. are those mistakes things that you want to be fixing? Mm. How, what light does that really put you in? So there are mm. a lot of dimensions around time that really need to be looked at, not just how mm. long is it and can I throw more money at it, but yep. how long will it realistically take? And then how good is the final product? Mm. Even if it's your minimum viable product, so like your first pass, Sometimes you want that to be a little bit better so that you can make a little money off of it than slamming something out that might not be good for your brand. So right, time right. is one of the biggest, one of the biggest problems always, yeah. <laughs> always yeah. with anything that any business owner is trying to do because we don't have enough time ever. And yet True. sometimes we need to actually take the time <laughs> so that we're able to shine better for what we're actually trying to deliver. Mm. I agree. I agree. You know, you're talking about that. I was thinking about another car story. <laughs> oh, what's that? It's not as exciting as like Ford versus Ferrari, but this is my little <laughs> personal experience is you're talking about making sure you have appropriate amount of time for whatever the project is, you know, sure. being realistic about it. And when I was a teenager and I got into cars and I decided I want to learn how to work on cars, my uncle, I grew up with my uncle working on cars a lot and helped my father restore an old Mustang and stuff. And I, I was, so I got to be a teenager. I decided I'm going to do this. I thought about it as I'm good at working on cars if I'm really fast. Ah, uh, right? yeah. So I would try to get everything done as quick as possible. And lo and behold, bolts would snap. Things wouldn't get put back on the right way. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, you know, something would fall off the car. When I took it out for a ride, I had a brake caliper fall off one time. You know what I mean? <laughs> not good. So, it's not good. It reminds me. So one of our best friends, his name is Chad and my husband. So we're, we just hang out and he really likes the show on Motor Trend called Roadkill. Have you ever heard oh, yeah, of this show? Yeah, yeah. So that's what this reminds me of. <laughs> like, yeah. yes, you can go like Roadkill and just bang out a list so that sure. you're like sitting on the side of the freeway <laughs> yeah know, exactly broken exactly. down i mean i've had that <laughs> you <know>? happen you know? <laughs> or you can take your time you know i mean i i've watched that show and yeah, like they yeah. don't have a windshield and they're like driving through minnesota in the winter so i mean <laughs> oh, yeah you could do your projects like that for sure 100 yeah. percent. absolutely 
but bolts are going to be falling off and oh yeah you know and, and i've and i've worked on projects a lot of times on projects we say oh so you want to ride the bike while you're building it okay hmm. like mm-hmm. and you just <laughs> and you just know how it's going to be right it doesn't right. mean it's going to be bad but you just kind of realize yeah. it's going to be a problem the whole way right right and it's fine you can spin up a project quickly and you can be iterative but there's going to be a right. lot of pain <laughs> along right, the right. way <laughs> sure and, and i mean and it's twofold because your results aren't going to be as good and you could actually end up wasting a lot more time had you just done yeah. it right to begin with because i experienced that like i said a bolt snapped off maybe i spent hours trying to get at it because i had to pull all these other things out of the way to get to it and i couldn't you know what i mean i could yeah. sometimes my project yeah. doubled in time because i went too fast i broke something that i then had to fix yeah now that i've gotten older i take my time i do it right most of the time i get through the project without any problems i get my car and i drive it it's perfectly reliable the opposite. It seems like it's going to take longer, but it doesn't. Yeah. And that's the thing about time. And that's one of the things that as leaders, we need to to realize and consider. And I have to say, it's not convenient. Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> the reality of it. And that's something that is a very hard conversation sometimes to have as a consultant, or if you have someone who works on projects at your company, they seem to be the one who's the messenger. <laughs> you know, Don't kill mm-hmm. the messenger because time it just is what it is. But I think that going into it with a realistic lens usually helps with those conversations and the outcome. You'll be happier with the outcome if you're realistic about time. Absolutely. I think going along with that kind of idea of working on the time and everything. So that comes down to our next point, which is there's more than one way to do things. That's right. And one of the ways that you can actually reduce the time that something takes and reduce sometimes the budget, all of it, is to listen to the professionals <laughs> right. and not put your post in the ground and say, this is the way it's got to be because there's more than one right way of doing things. So you get more value a lot of times and you get a better outcome if you don't say this is how it has to be and this is how I want it. So you might yeah. get exactly what you want and not like it at the end. So right. part of that is collaborating with people who are different from you, having people who are smarter than you, who are able to poke holes in what you want to do, (laughs) you know, going through kind of like the sum of all of these common mistakes is realizing that you can still achieve success and you could still get everything that you want, but how you get there really doesn't matter Mm. at Mm. the end of the day. There's more than one right way of getting there. It's just the achievement at the end is really what matters. Absolutely. End results matter far more than the path to get there. Yeah, but I've worked with a lot of people who are very path oriented and want things the way that they envisioned it. And I think that part of being a visionary is sometimes you have the way that it needs to be done as part of your vision. And it's hard to let that go, but it's important because there is more than one right way. And it's really like, think about that goal at the end. Sure. That's really what you want. It, It really doesn't matter how you get there. Maybe the way that you envisioned maybe will work, but maybe it's going to cost more and take more time than another path. Exactly. Um, and and one of the ways that people do that a lot is they rely too much on the past. This is how we've always done it. So ah, we're going to yes. do it this way again. And I think that for all these yeah. wealth tactic rebels out there, <laughs> you're right. probably the ones telling people, I don't want to <laughs> do it the way we've always done it. There's all these exactly. ways it's not going to work. But exactly. the reality is that everybody can kind of get stuck in their head of how they've always done things. The way to success sometimes doesn't look how you intended it. Again, it's all about the outcomes. 
and guaranteeing right. that that's what you're going to get. It doesn't matter what happens along the way. I agree. And I think modern times we can really see some results of how that's played out of getting stuck at this is the way we've always done it and not thinking about, okay, maybe there's a different way. Because yeah. think about Netflix, right? Everybody <laughs> watches Netflix today. Right? That's, right. that's a different way. Netflix is a different way. It was a new way to watch movies, what, 10, 15 years ago. Right. When did, they, when yeah. did they exactly come out? It was something like that, right? I don't remember the Yeah, date, it was a long time ago. I remember I, like I became, it. I was an early adopter of Netflix because yeah. Blockbuster Video made me so angry that I was like, there has to be another way. And I did <laughs> research and exactly. I found Netflix. <laughs> I was exactly. like, oh my God. You know? Yeah, yeah. And this was like when we had dial up. This was like a oh, long yeah, yeah. time ago, but there had to be a better way. It's kind of like taxis. Like how many times have you been in a taxi that has so much cologne in it, you're choking on it? Well, guess what? If I go in a Lyft or an Uber, mm -hmm. it's it's not the same experience, at least <laughs> not here in Portland, Oregon, where I no, am. No. There's always a disruptor out there that is saying there's another way. So why can't that be you? I agree. Why can't it be you? And that's what we're talking about. Thinking <laughs> differently. There's more than one way to do things. We're going to find the most efficient way for our rebels. So we've touched on it, the five common business mistakes, the mindset to examine where you are versus where you're going to go. Uh, that was number one. Number two was a willingness to poke holes in what you're assuming is success. Number three was assessing the true risk of a project. Number four was the amount of time things actually take versus what you think they're going to take. And then, of course, we just talked about number five was the realization that there's, hey, there's more than one way to do things. If you're open-minded and you can pivot, this is good. This is a good thing. Before we close today, Jen, I'm going to ask you for our Wealth Tactic Rebel Value Bomb, which is what in your experience should our listeners look to avoid and what can they do about it? Sure. I would say that one of the biggest things that people need to avoid are the shiny objects. I call it shiny object syndrome or SOS. <laughs> and I find that it happens all over the place, especially with entrepreneurs who are, it's late, they're tired, they see something on social media or something else that it looks like it's going to solve all of their problems. They're speaking mm -hmm. exactly to them. And don't hit the buy button. You would be way better off buying <laughs> the cat video or watching cat videos all night <laughs> and going to bed than going down the rabbit hole. And where I see this the most is in the area of like digital marketing. People mm -hmm. think that digital marketing should be easy, that it should work just like it does for, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk or somebody else like that. Right. Everybody's trying to sell you a funnel and something really simple and really easy. What you have to do is actually look at what works best for you. And so don't fall into these traps. The average business mm -hmm. owner is contacted, I think, 25 times a month by somebody who is, and that's on the phone, trying to sell you something <laughs> mm -hmm in the digital marketing realm, whether it's Yelp ads or pay-per-click or whatever. So avoid all of those shiny objects. Come up with what your long-term goals are and don't fall into mm -hmm. the traps of spending money on things that really aren't going to support your business over the long haul. Mm, good advice. Thank you for sharing. Sure. Anything else you'd like to share with our Rebels about yourself? Sure. So again, my name is Jen McFarland. My business and podcast are called Women Conquer Business. I help everybody. <laughs> I just <laughs> like the name a lot because I'm a woman and I think that we all deserve a place in the business realm. It's a weekly podcast. And if you'd like to learn more or get the three hot tips I have about how to achieve your goals, you can do that at jenmcfarland.com slash goals. 
And it's been amazing to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. Been a fantastic discussion with you, Jen. I really appreciate it. Uh, And I'm sure our rebels do as well, because we've learned some great things to help us with our opportunity costs. Right to Rebels, we're going to put Jen's information on the show notes page for today as well. That's wealthtacticrebels.com and look for today's episode, Avoid These Five Common Business Mistakes with Jen McFarlane. We're going to put her website and stuff there. One more time, Jen, thank you for sharing your knowledge. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's great. Absolutely. And Wealthtech Rebels, thank you for joining us. And I wish you all health and I hope you have a fantastic day. This presentation is intended as informational only. Information presented does not consider your particular financial objectives, risk tolerance, time horizon, or other unique circumstances, and does not constitute a personalized recommendation or replace the advice of a financial, tax, or legal advisor or other qualified professionals. Do your own research and do not use the information of this presentation in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional. To the best of our ability, we provide content that is accurate as of the date of release. However, we give no assurance or guarantee regarding its accuracy, timeliness, completeness, or applicability. We assume no liability for the information of this and related presentations.